Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Our learning is on. Is I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Van Lathan Jr., it's me. Um, Rachel, how was your weekend? I mean, I worked all day yesterday. You did? I had to do the American Music Awards. AMAs. AMAs. You should have called it the BTSs. It was all about BTS last night. All BTS about This is amazing. Well, let's let's face it. Their BTS is awesome. BTS is great, and they right. were so happy to be there, and mm-hmm. just had the best time at the show. They were they were fantastic. Um, what did I do Saturday? Saturday they seemed I, like niggas. I mean, I don't know about all that, but they were... They sing like niggas. Like, when you listen to BTS, I heard some BTS, and I was like, oh, shit, what the... I and mean, they, they move. Not, they move they, like they, it. They, they move. Like, they... they I, they I don't... It doesn't bother me, though. Like, it's... People say no. all the time... Comes People say, hey, it's appropriation. It's appropriation. I don't know. BTS, no. it seems pure. Because of the... Mad. They got some act. I fuck with BTS. If, if they were dressing maybe a certain way and maybe mm-hmm. like try, no, like I feel like they're very much so themselves. And yeah. um, they, I don't know. It was it was endearing to watch them standing up dancing to New Kids on the Block and New Edition. And I don't even think they were familiar with the music. They were just happy to be there. You know what I mean? So right. I don't know. There was like an innocence about it. Um, but Saturday, what did I? I don't even remember what I was doing. But I found. A good yoga spot, which I've been waiting for. Mm. I've been trying to find my LA spot for yoga, meditation, yoga. and I did. Great spot. Where is it at? It's in West Hollywood. It's called West Hollywood. Artha. It's called Artha. Is it is it is it Bikram yoga? Is it the regular yoga? Okay. We, nobody calls it Bikram yoga anymore after the documentary. It's just hot Wait, yoga. Can it's I be honest hot. with you? Can I be honest with you? What? Like, didn't he invent it though? Isn't it like, you know? No, he stole a lot of what he did. He just oh, put he? his last name on it. You got what? I watched the documentary. The documentary was wild, man. And that he's nigga a fraud. Bickham was going crazy. Yeah. And it, it wasn't. It, it, it was gross. He was like, and he was like super slippery. Like he, like he had slimy. a slimy, slimy, yeah, slimy. Oh, but he's still doing his thing. In Mexico, though, I think. Yeah, he's still no Spain. Spain, they were saying. Okay, well, it might have been Spain or Mexico, but yeah. So it's not big room. It's hot yoga now. It's hot yoga. Um, not really, not really. It's not hot. It's not really not 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 like that. But uh, yeah, found my spot. Really like it. Mm -hmm. So that was good. I mean, other than that, it was a work week. What about you? What you do? Um, I'll never do hot yoga again. Because if I want to see Jesus, I'll go to church. I'm not getting in a room again that that's hot and trying to hold some shit, sweat dripping out of my goddamn soul. <laughs> I'll never, ever, 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 ever do it again. So just do regular me. yoga. I give yeah, you a guest fine. pass. That's hard enough, by the way. That's hard. You know, my back. Yeah. My back. Okay. But it's, so it's good hard. for you. Um, this weekend, I didn't do much. I have a ridiculous franchise going right now on Madden. So I'm, so it's taking up a lot of my time. So I have a franchise going on Madden right now. And so this is what happened last year. I made a mistake during my franchise on Madden. I'm playing all the games because you know what a franchise is, right? So I'm playing the seasons as it really, and I'm, I'm, I'm in control of everything, Rachel. Okay. okay. Yes. In real I, life, I, I know what a franchise is, but okay, I, I didn't realize you could but do that on Madden. Franchise mode on the game. So franchise mode, okay. is, Rachel. I'm scouting college players. 
Okay. Um, That's like, too much time. No wonder you're busy. That takes up way too much. You can stop there. You're scouting college players. Yes. Can I finish telling you about <laughs> franchise mode, please? Go ahead. So I'm I'm scouting college players. All right. I'm coaching up the staff. Wow. I'm signing guys. I'm releasing guys. I'm trading guys. Every single week, I have meetings with my offensive and defensive coordinators. I meet with star with star teammates. I I I I, I fucking star players. I mean, I, I challenge them to do different things, and if they get those things done, I get experience points boosts. I talk to the media, as Coach Sean Payton uh, of the the New Orleans Saints. Like I I'm deep into the fantasy of fan, franchise mode. Now here's what happened last time. So I was in the playoffs of my franchise last time, and I had Jameis Winston and all of these guys or whatever. And I made a mistake and simulated the game against the Green Bay Packers. I don't even know what I was thinking, and we lost. So we got knocked out of the playoffs. So this is a brand-new season. But I made a mistake, and I simulated the offseason. Um, and then, like, I lost a whole bunch of players, so I had to build back through the draft. I had build, to build back, back better. Free, build back better. We got Michael <laughs> Tubbs a little bit later on. <laughs> Michael Tubbs, former mayor of Stockton, later on on Higher Learning is going to talk about the Democrats, his new book, The Deeper the Roots, all kinds of stuff. Michael Tubbs, you're going to get smarter if you listen today. So now I have, check it out, Rachel. Now I have Cam Newton starting at my quarterback. He's having a fantastic season. I still got Alvin Kamara. I still got Cameron Jordan. I still got a lot of players. And we're on a march. We are undefeated. We are on the Marshall Super Bowl. That's what I did this week. I'm upset that Madden has you out here thinking you're somebody that you ain't. It's not true. I, and I want to know I, I how many listen. other people have to go through this. He's got you thinking outside. you're a coach, a GM, a an owner, a, a DC, an, an OC, a, DC. A, I'm an OC. a starter. I mean, I'm a quarterback. I, <laughs> I'm a halfback. I'm a receiver. I'm all of those things. Michael Thomas is leading the league in offense. Alvin Kamara ran for 300 yards just before I did this podcast. Wow. He was the NFC I need you to come back. Offensive Player of the Week. He's leading right now. I need uh, you to he's come the he's leading much. right now in MVP votes. It's he's too leading. much. This, this gamer's world is too much. I can see much. now. I can see how people can't separate real life from the game. If you're investing that much time and detail and attention into a world that does not exist, I can see why you don't want to pull yourself out of it and come into this world. After we get off the podcast, I'm going to scout some more. You're going back. Shows. See what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I got I I get scouting points after every, after every match, you're after gonna, every game. I, I need to scout some more college players. You're going to start talking about your team, but thinking it's real life. You're going to talk about what the Saints did, and they'll be like, man, that actually did not happen. Jameis is hurt. And you can be like, no, 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 no. Like, he threw for five touchdowns last week. Watch. Rachel. Step back, my friend. You need to step back. Actually, I hate when people say that. Step back. I hate when people say my friend. (laughs) The real real Saints no longer interest me. The Madden Saints. Oh. uh, The Madden Saints have taken over. Oh. Okay. I can't control what the Saints do. They fuck around and go out and get blasted yesterday. I can't control that. I can't control what LSU does. Like 27 to 14 against lowly ULM. I can control this franchise, and I will control it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 
miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. What What happened? Did anything interesting happen at the American Music Awards? Yes. I forgot about the most interesting part, which is why I was there. Why most people were there to see a J-Lo performance or, you know, Olivia Rodrigo. Rachel was there to see New Kids on the Block in New Edition. They titled it The Battle of Boston, which I did not realize New Edition was from Boston. I thought they were from New York. I don't know. I just Really? Yeah. It never. And I've seen like. The VH1 story they did. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. In my mind, they were from New, New Edition York. and New Edition and New Kids on the Block had the same management. D- didn't didn't know they, that they New Kid New Edition came and then they were like, "We're gonna go get some white boys," uh, and then they they went and got New Kids on the Block. Smart, but had no idea. So they they themed it as this battle. But like when I was interviewing them on the carpet, they were like, we've been friends for years. They're like our brothers. It's a brotherhood. So I was so excited to meet New Kids on the Block. Then to be there with New Edition. I mean, I just like schoolgirl crush to be standing there talking to like Ralph Tresman and, you know, Johnny Gill's there, Belvin DeBoe, and even old Bobby Brown. Uh, Bobby Brown was there. Bobby Brown came and did the carpet. And none of like pre-show without new edition. <laughs> and I said, you know, Bobby probably was like, I'm going to go run to the bathroom and came out and did the carpet, red carpet all by himself, no new edition. And then they came afterwards and did the, the walk behind the stage. But anyways, it was great. They performed separately, this versus that. And then they came together. They sang, is this the end? And please don't go girl. And then they did the, is it love together and the choreographed dance. I mean, I was backstage. I was so upset because I thought I wasn't going to get the whole group. Got to meet the whole group. Did a little of the dancing behind the stage, showing them what I was doing. But, you know, it was fun. They're going back on tour. Here's the thing. They okay. can have the, the battle for Boston if they want. But? There's no comparison between the new kids on the block and new edition. But it it wasn't. No. It, it was. It, I guess it depends. But I'll tell you what. You knew that when you watched it and new kids on the block started singing Hang Tough. And they were like, and they were like, get on (laughs) down with the new kid sound. (laughs) I I used to love him. Please don't, please don't go girl was a joint though. Please don't go girl was a joint. So was was uh, the right stuff though. The right stuff was cool too. Oh, come on. But what was the other one they came back with? They came back with another one. Um, Nah, I can't remember. Um, But like, I'll tell you this. 
I've been listening to a lot of boys to men lately, and that's what's going to be Van's very serious question of the week later. Oh, speaking of boy bands, okay. Okay. Uh, so here's the deal. We have to start the show. You know, we have a uh, we have an amazing interview coming up with Michael Tubbs, former mayor of Stockton, who has a new book out called "The Deeper the Roots." Okay, mm-hmm. I think Michael Tubbs is one of the brightest political minds in all of America. And I'm watching his future with great interests. And he is here. He is here to talk to us today. You're going to get smarter by listening to this. But before we get to this, I got good news. And what's that? There's a new member of BLM. (laughs) BLM has a new member. (laughs) Man, continue. Continue. (laughs) Kyle Rittenhouse says he supports BLM. Okay, uh, he has an interview coming up with none other than Tucker Carlson, and he said this during the interview: "This case had nothing to do with race; had to do with the right to self-defense." Rittenhouse, eighteen, said to Fox News host Tucker Carlson, "I am not a racist person. I support the BLM movement and peacefully demonstrated." Your thoughts. So I laugh, but it's it's really not funny. I think that what Kyle Rittenhouse is is doing is compiling his reasoning for being there that night with the case. Two separate issues, right? Self-defense is what you pled in your case. That was your defense for what you did, your actions. But self-defense had nothing to do with your reasoning for being there that night for those protests. And the reason that you came there was not in support of Black Lives Matter. And the fact that you're trying to bring those two together is disgusting because you came there not in support of BLM. If you came there in support for Black Lives Matter, then you would have been marching with the very people that you shot down. You would have been there against what happened in Kenosha and standing up for the black lives that were affected by the shooting of Jacob Blake. But instead, you strapped up with surgical gloves, basically there, I don't know what, to defend stores, to defend black people uh, marching for Black Lives Matter, to defend yourself against that. I mean, at least that's what you're saying in the case, for the case. Like, it's disgusting to me that he's even trying to say that. And I hate that that was even a topic that was discussed on the, in this interview. It's gross. And it's it, it's making a mockery, really, of, of everything that's happening because we know that you don't support Black Lives Matter at all. So I don't think that he was saying that he support he was supporting Black Lives Matter by going to the demonstration. I think what he was saying was that he supports the Black Lives Ma- Black Lives Matter movement and peacefully protesting, although this wasn't a peaceful protest. So that's why he went out there. But he to- didn't know that. When he was getting there, when he went there, he didn't know if it was peaceful or not. Well, what do you mean? The reports were coming out about what the protest was anyway, right? And there had been other pro. Even if he didn't know, I'm not, by the way, I'm not in any way defending. Kyle I know, I know, I know. Even if there, even if there, even if they there weren't um, uh, any reports coming out of Kenosha that night, you'd still have enough. We had seen kind of how things had gone for the entire summer to know that some people were going to be on edge about whether or not things were going to happen like that in Kenosha. I mean, that wasn't, I I assumed that that night in Kenosha, there would be some civil disobedience, which I support. 
Right. But I just think it's making a mockery of the situation for him to say that he supports Black Lives Matter. I don't think anything that Kyle Rittenhouse has shown us in his social media behavior and his behavior thereafter these murders was in support of Black Lives Matter. And the fact that he's saying that now is gross. Well, I think I know why he's doing it. Well, um, I know why he's doing it. Yeah. Well, right. Well, that's probably that's that's the reason then. So like it Kyle Rittenhouse has now has now have to go live in the world. Now, here's the thing. Everybody should be ready for as far as it relates to Kyle Rittenhouse. Number one, he is about to be uh ungodly wealthy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He is going to make a shit ton of money mm-hmm. for killing two people. Kyle Rittenhouse is about to make a lot of money. He's going to do tons of interviews. He is going to uh, write a book. Mm-hmm. He is going to get news coverage, the Daily Caller, the Blaze, Prager U, Fox News, Newsmax. Some Some person, some entity is going to invest into the Kyle Rittenhouse fame. So that's probably going to happen. But more than that, or excuse me, aside from that, Kyle Rittenhouse now has to live in the world. And he has to live in the world in a different way than even a George Zimmerman does. George Zimmerman's a grown-ass man who go into a bunker and hide and do all of that stuff and never come out and whatever. Kyle Rittenhouse is going to want to go to parties. He's 18 years old. He's going to want to go to parties. He's going to want to go to bars. He's going to want to go to spring break. He's going to want to go all of these different places. And it's going to be difficult for him to do so as a kid like he is now, a man like he is now with people believing what it is that they believe about Kyle Rittenhouse. He's now become the poster child, if you will, uh, for not only American injustice, but white vigilantism. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so what you're going to see um, as the book comes, as all of these other things come, is Kyle Rittenhouse try to rehabilitate his image so that he can live uh, what he thinks or what other people might consider to be a normal life <clears> in <throat> American society. So he's going to say, hey, I'm okay with I wouldn't surprise if you see Kyle Rittenhouse with the black squares, Kyle Rittenhouse with a kufi on. Kyle no, Rittenhouse stop. with all that. I'm telling. I'm just. I'm just saying. He's going to. He wants to be able to be on TikTok and be on all of that stuff. He and so and so. My thing is, we might have not. We might not have been able to control what went on in the courtroom that day. No one could. We might not have been able to control the circumstances that actually led to Kyle Rittenhouse being in the situation where he could claim self defense, but. As a society, we can control this. We can control whether or not he is allowed to rehabilitate his image, whether or not he's allowed to move on like this never happened, whether or not he's able to put everything behind him and go on and be a normal kid, right? Like, because... He obviously didn't want to be a normal kid before, which is why he got the gun and goes out there and does whatever he wanted to do. Said on his on his social media, he wanted to be famous. So this is something that you can control. And the fact that he said this to me lets me know that he's breaking. That there's a part of this situation that he really doesn't. He might not want the smoke of being the poster child for white vigilanteism for the rest of his life. But he shouldn't have a choice in that. 
And he should, and and so th- that's all I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I, I don't think he, I don't think, I don't think anyone believes that Kyle Rittenhouse supports Black Lives Matter. Sure. But I think in the interviews that you see now, a lot of the interviews that you see from him, he's going to try to put as much distance from himself and the guy that he really is, the guy that he was being when he was posing with the Proud Boys in a bar and doing all of that stuff as humanly possible. So I think the image of Kyle Rittenhouse is fractured. Kyle Rittenhouse, I don't think that he can rehabilitate himself in society where he's able to function in a world and, and, and win over the side that he's trying to by making a statement of saying, I support Black Lives Matter. I don't think anybody believes him and I don't think anybody ever will. He has cemented himself in history as the person that we saw commit those murders, injure someone else and stand in that trial. I think the only way he's going to be rehabilitated, and I'm using air quotes for the people who are just listening to this podcast, is by putting himself in that world that supported what he did. He is not going to be able to to bring over the you, the me's, the any the, the supporters of Black Lives Matter, the allies that that there'll Black be some Lives Black Matter. people though that forgive him though. Candace, there always are. Candace, yeah, sure. No, 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 I, no. The people that hug the lady that shot both them, John. The people that pray for Dylan Roof after he goes into the church and shoots up a bunch. There will be a bunch of people that will. I, but I guarantee not to you, where this, it makes not to where it makes a dent. And I, don't I, and think, I want to remind people not to let it happen. And I don't. But I, th- I don't think it. I don't think it will. And I think. And honestly, I'm actually shocked that he came no, out and right. said that that soon. Yeah. See, to me, it would be best if you just lay low for a second instead of hopping on the media train. And let's let's be honest. He went on Tucker Carlson's uh, broadcast to do this. His show yeah. to do this. That doesn't win him any favors with the other side. So I think that what he's going to do is try to normalize his life in that world. He will be a hero in that world. He will live in that space and he will continue to, he said what he needed to say or what he felt he needed to say. I'm a supporter. I'm in support of Black Lives Matter. And that's it. I don't think he's going to try to win the other side over at all. This is it. I think Kyle is going to be, as you said, a hero, a rich uh, hero, lauded as a as a as a person who's you know stood his ground and defended himself against the radicals and and that's it that's the life he's gonna live he may and i would have i would have agreed with what with your take on it until i saw this there's just no reason to say hey i support black lives matter like even if he says even if he says hey and i I, and i it worries me when they come back like that it it worries me because like nothing wears out faster than rage. You just can't be rage. You can't, you can't have like, for example, George Zimmerman goes around, does whatever he does, whatever he wants to do. He just walks around. And he kills Trayvon Martin. Right? But I don't think like rage, that- rage, rage won't rage doesn't last. Like, and so but in this what, particular situation, what do in you this expect? Pat- what do you mean what do I expect? I expect to be mad at these niggas forever. No, 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 no. George Zimmerman. You bring up George Zimmerman. Like uh-huh. he's walking around like it didn't happen. Kyle's going to do the exact same thing. But they'll be, it'll be different though because these these people are at different points in their life. So George Zimmerman is at a point in his life to where there's a lot of stuff that he does he's not going to want to do anymore that this kid will. This kid's still going to want to have his 20s. And he's going to. He's still going to want to. 
I don't. I, in that I, world. And so maybe he will. But remember now, like, so put you like this. That world exists, but there is a much, much bigger world that most kids his age are going to want to be a part of, too. And I wouldn't have thought any of this stuff by, about Kyle Rittenhouse had he not said what he said. I wouldn't have thought any of it. I would have thought, hey, this is a person that had doubled down after he did what he did. This is a person that did whatever. He's off the he's off the hook uh, legally. But I'm telling you, the only thing I'm saying is this. This is him trying to crawl back. Just don't let him crawl back. Can I ask and, you? Oh, sure. sorry. What? Oh, go ahead. What? Because I keep saying he is going to be able to live the life he wants to live in that world because that's the world I think he wants to be a part of. He has no desire to be a part of the world that's in support of Black Lives Matter. That's my opinion. And so I, it's like, what is he going to miss out on? Like, what, in his 20s, going, to, going out to bars, going to concerts? I'm sure there's somebody that somebody who's going to have him on stage. He'll still get to go front row to things. I don't think it'll lead, it'll take him from stop him from getting a job, stop him from getting into college, stop him from going to parties, stop him from going on spring break. I think he's going okay. to live the life that he wants to with those type of people, like-minded people in that world. Mm-hmm. He'll live a different life, a life maybe. Having been the age that I am right now, I don't think Kyle Rittenhouse actually understands how restrictive the life that he is going to live now is. Mm. If Kyle Rittenhouse goes to college, that's going to be a story for any university that takes Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. That's going to be a story. If Kyle Rittenhouse pledges a fraternity when he gets to college, that's going to be a story. Whatever fraternity Kyle Rittenhouse uh, pledges. The woman who ends up dating Kyle Rittenhouse, that's going to be a story. She's going to have to be okay with being famous now with with everything that's going on. Like... uh any job that hires him, let's say he doesn't go into the media. Kyle Rittenhouse, the accountant, is hired at the accounting firm. He'll be the accountant for Turning Point. Like, like, like all, all of these things. What, what, like, what I'm, what I'm telling you is that that's there's a life. I understand what you're saying, and there's definitely a way, a, a group of people that are going to always worship him as, as a hero, right? But then there's also a downside to this, and. My only point in bringing any of this up is that, like, the downside should exist in perpetuity. I agree. The down, the downside, the downside should never go away. Um, I personally believe that there's only one thing that you can do that if people want to be mad at you forever, well, two things that people you can do that people if people want to be mad at you forever, they can be. Like Kyle Rittenhouse went out there, took two lives, the two lives that he took, in the way that he did it, the the age that he was. It should never not be a part of his life. Agreed. And what I'm telling you right now is when I look at this statement, he's endeavoring to mm-hmm. distance himself from the person that we all thought he was. And there will be and and there could be heavy rehabilitation stuff that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Like heavy rehabilitation stuff that goes on there. I just want people to remember. That's yeah. it. I think it'll be interesting to watch and see because I think he just was making this as a one-time statement. You think that this is him trying to crawl back? It'll be, we'll we'll watch. We'll see. We'll see what he does. Well, well, yeah. I just don't see why you would say that if you're him. I think he just needed to say it one time. Yeah. Well, I'll be interested in what what goes on. Because remember, after, after Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin, all Zimmerman did was double down. Right. All he You're did right, was he double did. down. He did. All he did was double down. 
Um, okay. Uh, New York senators introduced a bill to ban prosecutors from using rappers' lyrics as evidence in court. Fuck that topic. Moving on. Um, oh, I'm into this. I'm into this. What? Did you see the movie King Richard? I didn't watch it yet. Did you? Didn't watch it. I didn't watch it either. I knew you didn't. I just it's it's I gotta I gotta de-willify. Maybe I'll watch it on vacation. I gotta de-willify for a second. Too too much from the Smith family. A little bit. Okay. Hard to watch King Richard now and not think about you know that damn August Alcina. Jada. You know. Jada. Yeah. It's like I got it's it's I gotta. <laughs> I got de-willify for a second. I will. I will see the movie. I got de-willify. Honestly, it snuck up on me. I didn't realize it came out this quickly. Well, so did August Alcina. He snuck up on Will. Will didn't see it coming. That was just Jaden's friend. Next thing you know, wow. Bing-bong. Yeah, you're really not ready to watch the movie. I just because saw, of what you, you just said. That's what no, happened. No, my mind didn't August go Alcina. there. Yeah, you're not ready. Go he ahead. Snuck up on him. Tell him what's Next going thing on. You know, hey, why are you making an extra stack of pancakes? Oh. August is having breakfast with us. He is? Yeah. And then he walks out of Jada's bedroom. And Will is like, why? He's not in Jada's room. What's going on? This is like extra syrup. Little Puts a little cayenne pepper, a little Tony Sacheries from some New Orleans on the pancakes. It's not bad, by the way. You put a little Tony's on your pancakes. It's actually not bad. Um, so people have been talking about the movie King Richard. King Richard is about Richard Williams, who's the father of Venus and Serena Williams. And at least early in their lives was the driving force in pushing them towards tennis greatness. People have been saying this is sexist to have the movie be about him and not be about Venus and Serena Williams. I will give you a tweet by Dr. Jessica Taylor. Did they seriously make a film called King Richard about the success of Serena and Venus Williams, but it's about their dad, Richard? Okay. Uh, there was also another article that came out on Slate that questioned making a movie about this topic and not centering the movie on Serena Williams, uh, who might just be the greatest athlete of all time, and Venus Williams, who um, was a fantastic top 10, top five, former number one tennis player in the world in her own right. Question, we know that Venus and Serena are executive producers on this movie, so they wanted to make a movie about their dad. My, qu- my question to you, Rachel, is what if they weren't? What if I wanted to make a movie, right, about Richard Williams moving his daughters to Compton, putting the rackets in their head, instilling confidence in them, and birthing a tennis revolution? Would that be sexist to make the movie about Richard and not about Venus and Serena? Well, it depends how far the movie goes, right? If that's what the if that's the premise of your movie, where it's about their upbringing and how they became who they are today, then what's the problem with that? What's the problem in highlighting somebody they look up to who helped them become as great as they are, who pushed them? What's wrong with telling that story? And 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 I'm trying to talk about this and separating the fact that they're executive producers because the fact that they are just just blows this 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 argument out of the water for me. It's like they're executive producers. They're behind it. They were very involved with this. They okayed this. They walked the red carpet. They did interviews. They wanted to be the face of this. They wanted to tell the story of not just about them and their father, but their other sisters, right? My friend played the, the sister who um, has passed away in the movie. 
And so it's like, it was more than that. So I just, if you were, if you wanted to make a movie about their father and bring up their upbringing, I don't see a problem with that. Um, I did see some talk though, that people were also disappointed because it only showed one side of Richard. And they're like, if you're going to talk about Richard, you need to tell the other side and how he was as a man and a husband, not just as a father. And I guess I can see a little bit of that. But again, this is Venus and Serena's story. They don't need to necessarily air out their father's, you know, business when it comes to how he was as a husband. That's not the story they wanted to tell. And it's absolutely their right to do that. Now, if you were making this movie and you were talking about him and their upbringing, then I would say that you would need to include the other side of that. Well, I don't, I, I, don't, I completely disagree with that okay, because no well, one ever does. No one ever does that. I'm just saying. In Selma, did they show Dr. King fucking all the women in the? He did. He liked to. You know, I mean, you you have a you have a look on your face. They never do that. So every time, every time, Martin Luther King and 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 King Richard, I guess two different I don't, stories. There is absolutely. I I just need people to be consistent. There's absolutely zero difference. The question, the question fundamentally is when you make a biopic about someone, which is one of the reasons why there hasn't been a biopic made about Dr. King that when you make a biopic about someone, do you include all of the parts of their life or do you include what's pertinent to the thematic power of the story that you're making? Because the reality is if you include the ugly, dirty, gritty side of people's lives, a lot of these biopics are going to be hard to watch. A lot of them will be like a lot of them. You know what I mean? So the only reason why I bring up Dr. King is not to equate him to, 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 uh, to, no, I didn't. I just brought it up as as an example. It's not to equate him to to Richard Williams. It's to say that that never happens anyway. Like they don't do that. It's, it ha- it happens. It's not a never. Only if it, only if it's pertinent to the story. Like you can't make a song. You can't make a you can't make a movie about Ray Charles without make without including including his heroine situation. They, because or him being. A, they talked about him being a womanizer. They included oh, talked in about his. him being one of. But that's part of his musician type of thing. You know what I mean? That's part they of that, what that is. They could have easily told his story without showing him going home with all the women filling those wrists. They could have told. The, they didn't have to do but, all that. But the point is, the type of story that they're telling, and the type of situation that they're they're telling, that's a part of it. Like that's that adds to his sort of bad boy musician. It, it's it's thematically along the lines of it. Look what he's overcome. If the movie is about Richard Williams getting his daughters ready to be tennis champions. What does him have, being a bad husband have to do with it? See, well, here's the thing. Neither one of us have seen it, right? So right. I don't know how much it, it it delves into family life and the relationship that that he had with their mother. I don't know. I'm only basing this off of an article that I saw. So I, I don't know if it, if it talks about that. So it's hard for me to say maybe it should have been included because I don't know the really the premise of the movie. I don't know how much it goes into their upbringing and, and, the, and the familial bond that they had. I don't know. So, well, see, my thing is, it. I would like to see it included. I love to see stuff like that yeah, included. Yeah, you, I would you love messy. to make. I would love to make a movie about Dr. King and show that Dr. King was a, just a man who did extraordinary things. But people can't handle that. They don't want to believe. True. They don't want to know the truth about certain people. And that's not. It's not just him, by the way. It would be almost any person that would be in that situation when you pair them down. They're not perfect. So showing him, but. To, to make up, to bring up that like you should include the fact that he was a bad, a, a bad husband in this, it's just, 
the biggest fucking deflection. They never do that. Like it, unless it serves the story, the, the purposes of their story. They never do that. And this isn't about that. Like it's not about that. Like, have you ever have you ever in in movie history seen a love scene between JFK and Marilyn Monroe? No. But Why? I, I don't know. Are there, is there a, I don't know what movie is JFK. Is there a biopic on JFK? You know, I mean, I don't they, know JFK movie. has been, JFK has been, JFK has been depicted in so many films. But is there like one movie that's like the life of JFK? There are a couple different, like uh, Martin Sheen has played JFK. What's his name? Played JFK in 13 days. But what I'm, tell, what I'm telling you is. Not played him. I'm talking about like an entire movie about him and his life. That's what I'm asking. Well, because then well, there I, has been. Because then the, I'm like, well, the, maybe they would. The, the, there has been, but you don't even necessarily need that. What I'm saying is that's something that everybody knows happened. But normally when you're telling the story of the president, you're not really telling the story about his personal life. You're telling the story about accomplishments that he had, mm-hmm. like when he was doing his thing. You know what I mean? When he was out here, Cuban Missile Crisis, civil rights and all of that stuff. So yeah, I'm not saying that, that they should have necessarily included it. Cause again, I have to see it. Then I will have right. an opinion on that. But that is an article that I saw that I was like, huh, that's interesting. I, people were really, I'm, I'm also shocked that people were so upset that he was portrayed a certain way. I don't know why people were wanted to make him evil is what it seemed like. Well, he was a wild boy. Okay. But you know, but they, you know, but that, but this is their, this is how they wanted to honor their dad. So to well, me, that shuts everything else up. Who were we to tell Venus and Serena how to make this movie about their father? This is my whole point, and the thing that's starting to bother me. Why look at the King Richard movie and pick it apart for something negative? This lady, Doctor Jess Taylor, Doctor Jessica Taylor, she has a right to her opinion. But she got too much dip on a chip. She do. <laughs> she got too much dip on a chip, man. She got way too much dip on a chip. Ain't nobody asked. And this is kind of a when intersectionality fails. We talking about a movie about a black father and his black daughters and what went wrong. Ain't nobody asked you to jump into this situation, this family business, and talk about all of this. This is like them making a movie about their dad. Like we going to, we're going a little too far. Too Rich. far, too far, too far. Okay, it's Richard Williams. By the way, I don't even fuck with Richard Williams like that. It always seemed weird to me. That's not to be mean, but it's all. It always seemed, you know, he's you know, it always seemed weird to me. But I'm glad that they're because I thought that they were all estranged. I'm glad that they still have an amazing enough relationship with their Correct. dad to do it. Now I'm gonna make a movie about me and my dad, and I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. It's gonna be the real raw, Van Terry Lathan Senior. Yeah. Okay. He wouldn't have wanted it any other way. He doesn't care. He would have wanted it. It's gonna be all out there. The movies. The movies gonna be made in the next year, and it's gonna be about me and Dad and all the shit. I can't wait. I, I, I bet. I wish I one of you motherfuckers would tell me about the portrayal of my father in a movie. How dare y'all with y'all fucking Twitter fingers, man? Please, how dare you? It's Jesus fucking. <sighs> Idris Elba is going to be in the name next James Bond movie, but he is not going to be playing James Bond. Yeah, he already said that. What's the point? 
What's the point of what? You want him What's to the be point Bond? Of, being in of course. Yeah. So I interviewed Idris. Mm, sexual. Talk. And um, of Daddy. course, at the time, it was all about are you going to be in Bond? Are you going to be in Bond? And I thought he had a very interesting response because he talked about Luther. And he said he always looked at a Luther on that level. Like when you think of. <laughs> Wow. Are you just going to laugh at Idris like that? What? Can I finish? He always, looked at, he always looked at Luther as on one level. Not necessarily as the Bond, but he was more so explaining it like, you've got your Jason Bournes. Like, there's like, a, there's like movies, and it's like, it's an ongoing story is what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say. Not that Luther is Bond, okay? Chill out. I wasn't saying that. No. But you didn't let me finish. You said, said you literally started said, laughing when I said it. And I'm paraphrasing, the, the, mind you. I'm paraphrasing. The statement was, I always looked at Luther as being on but that I, level. But I'm paraphrasing and I'm saying like, as in like, there's the Luther story. There's the Bourne story. There's the Bond. And so he right. looked at it like that in the sense that if he goes and does Bond, he feels like it takes away from what he was doing with Luther and how he's thought of that character. So I thought that that was like a really interesting statement. And so it makes sense, though, if that's his mindset, because he wants to make a movie or they are already talking about a movie or they've started a movie with Luther, one of those things. If that's how he sees Luther and that character... And he wants it to live that way, then it makes no sense for him to do Bond. So I already understood that. And so, but the fact that he's still a part of the iconic franchise of Bond, but now he gets to be his own character within it, great for Idris. I'll be Good watching. Be the first time I've Good. seen a Bond movie. Good for him. Just gonna Good laugh. Just gonna laugh at him like that. Well, I mean, the fact that it, look, here's the thing. It was just funny to hear. You, you know, cut me off. Luther's on the same level. I, well, you said well. I, I what, meant, all like, I heard, I, I thought that that was the the, the period. No. He's like, I look at Luther as being on that same level. I'm like, Luther's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm paraphrasing, but you get yeah. my point as I continue what I was saying. Like, I, I get the point. Okay. And if he doesn't want to be James Bond, he doesn't want to be James Bond. Right. I personally think he should be James Bond, uh, just for the whole culture. Because I feel like if they don't get him, then we we don't really have. He a, also said he doesn't want to be a black bond. He doesn't want to be the black bond. He said that. Well, he doesn't have to be the black bond. He can just be James Bond. But that's what everybody will refer to him as. And he said he didn't want that. That's fine. That, that we could do that for anything. Listen, he just can be whoever be, he wants to be. I don't want to be the black president. I don't want to be the black. We could do that for anything. The fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, James Bond is a dude from England who his race doesn't really matter. He does cool shit, and it'll be nice to see. You know what? Give it to Dev Patel. Dev Patel will do it. He's fucking amazing. Give it to Dev Patel. But it's just funny to hear, I don't need Bond because I got Luther. And Luther is his own thing, and I applaud that. If he feels that way, that's dope. Shout out to Arunde Garrett. Luther is his own thing, uh, and I applaud that. But, you know, that was just funny to hear it. It's funny. funny I'm glad you got a good laugh out of it. Let's take a break. (laughs) Justin Timberlake is back in the crosshairs. Been a decade since he hung Janet Jackson out to dry at the Super Bowl. And now the documentary has premiered and people are fucking over JT again. Okay. Um, really what happened was after this situation happened, uh, Les Moonves, who was running CBS at the time, made it his goal to destroy Janet Jackson's career. Yeah. 
Uh, Justin, I guess, called Les Moonves during that time and cried to him, and they were cool. But Justin never really stayed solid with Janet. And this documentary has come out, and people are upset about it again. Will the culture ever get over this and let JT live? I'm sick of this story. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? <laughs> That's funny. Rach, you all just saying, do you understand that my favorite version of Rach is just casual Rach? Like I had a hot dog at a place called Earl's. <laughs> Like, like that's my favorite version of Rach. My favorite version is, I don't give a fuck, man. I don't care. Like, I'm sick of this story. That's my favorite Rach right there. But I um, am. I'm so, it's like, it doesn't matter how many ways you cut it, okay? He threw Janet under the bus. He didn't stand up for her. Obviously, this is a pattern with Justin Timberlake because he did the same thing with Britney. He did whatever he needed to do to succeed, whether that was stepping on somebody else to get to the next place, throwing somebody under the bus. And you know what? It worked for him until it didn't. And now we're in a place where we call people out for these things. And Justin Timberlake has been called out multiple times. And now he's apologizing for it. 17 years too late which now your apology means nothing to me because you're only doing it to satisfy the public, the public pressure with all of it. The way you behaved then is what you meant then. You reflecting on it now is only because people are on your ass about it. I'm over it. Like we were mad at you then. We're mad at you now. The culture will never get over it because it's Janet. <laughs> it's Janet, and it is what it is. It is what it is. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so so it's, it's very true. So and let I'm me not ask saying you this. I'm like anti-Justin. It's just like I'll never forget. Right, I won't forget either. So, I guess my question to you is, what's up, Bozeman? I guess my question to you is, how mad are we? I get annoyed by Justin Timberlake, but I still like him. That's you know. What, yeah, we're not mad enough to where it's like I'm not gonna listen to. You know, if he came out with the song, I'd listen to it because I'd be interested in what it sounded like out of curiosity. If if I I wouldn't refuse to interview him at Extra, I wouldn't. I'm not that mad, but it's almost like I get it. I don't trust him. Does that make sense? Yeah, you don't trust that's, him. You that's don't trust where him I am. Like, yeah. Right. Right. Would you? Uh, who would you? I mean, who do you think? Justin, that's a, a tasteless joke. I'm not doing that. I was about to do a Justin Timberlake versus Kyle Rittenhouse situation. Um, oh, gosh. Social media has got to stop. We we like it. I love it. But it's, it's fucking people's lives up. I'll tell you how. I saw a video that floored me. Floored me. Okay. Carlsbad, Carlsbad, California. Okay. There was apparently an armored truck that was driving down the freeway mm-hmm. and something happened and it started spraying money everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Money flying out of the armored truck. People are getting out and they're scooping up the money. And there's one stupid girl making a video about how crazy the scene is and how everybody's scooping up the money She's getting money. People are scooping up the money when this is clearly illegal, number one. And number two, if you don't take your tape yourself 
doing it, then maybe you could get away with some of the cash if it's not like sequential or numbered or whatever it is, which it probably was. Two people were arrested and other people could face consequences after drivers stopped to scoop up cash that was blowing across lanes. This is so dumb. Has social media made us so stupid to where really? <laughs> yes. This ain't the first stupid video you've seen. You know, you got people ratting on themselves, like posting things that they're doing illegally and thinking that it's, you know, like just for cloud or just to go viral. It's made us so stupid that you'll do anything for likes, for comments, to go viral. If people can just have that one video that's going to go viral, they feel like they've made it. That's it. Yes, we are that dumb as a society. I mean, our attention span lasts 15, 30 seconds. People don't read articles. They read headlines. Every Yes, yes. Sadly, Van, yes. Would you have picked the money up? Yes. 100%. Without a doubt. And I would have slapped the phone out of her hand. I would have destroyed her phone. I'm catching two charges, baby. Assault. And, give, and pick up, and pick up the, uh, the money and be like, here, buy yourself a new Bro, one. Bro, by the way, <laughs> that, that is the craziest thing. I love when gangsters do that in movies. Like there's a scene at the beginning of The Godfather where they're where the feds are outside of Vito Corleone's uh, family because it's Connie's wedding and they're taking pictures and stuff. Sonny gets so pissed off he goes out there he breaks the camera and then he pulls out his bankroll and throws the guy a couple of hundreds. I want to do that. I want to break somebody else's property and then give them a couple of hundos. Hey, go fix it. Or like in a in a movie where there's a bar fight and then the guy kicks everybody's ass in the bar and he goes here take that. You know what I mean? It's fun. It's fun. Uh, but I would definitely knock the phone out of her hand, Justin Bieber style. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Okay. Now time to get to our interview with Michael Tubbs, former mayor of Stockton. He has a book that's out right now called The Deeper the Roots. This interview will make you smarter. Please check it out. We have a very special guest on Higher Learning today. One of the brightest young minds, one of the brightest stars uh, in the political, social, and just human world. This is a guy that I've been following for a long, long time. Um, and he threatens to shake up the entire political establishment with some of his ideas. Former mayor of Stockton, Michael Tubbs, is on higher learning with us today. Give it up. Now, Michael, I've known about you for a very long time. Okay. I've uh, been following your career. You were one of the names that people would say, hey, when we look to the future, as, as far as leading political movements, as far as being one of the young, brash Democrats that threatens to shake up the system, people always says, uh, always say the name Michael Tubbs is right up there at the top of the list. Um, I got to know you even better from watching the dynamic uh, and just dynamite HBO documentary Stockton on my mind. But now it seems as if you've taken a step away from the political arena. And I want to start there. You're no longer mayor of Stockton. Uh, you have a fantastic book that's coming out. Where are you at right now with what it is that you're trying to do? How is Michael Tubbs trying to impact the world currently? Yeah, well, first, thank you all for, for having me. I appreciate the kind words. And, and the still, book is out, I should say. The book is not coming out. The book is out. I should yeah, say. it was out on November 16th, The Deeper the Roots. But no... um. I'm still involved in politics, but so I, I don't know if people have noticed like all the basic income programs happening in LA and in Chicago and 
insert city here in California. And um, that's all the work of me and my team. Like since not being mayor of Stockton, I've spent the last year working with mayors throughout the country to get more guaranteed income programs up and running to really get us closer to a policy. Um, working with the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, um, thinking about with this record surplus, how do we make sure it helps make California golden for everyone? Um, so still involved in politics, just more behind the scenes and trying to move policy and get more people to adopt the positions that I, that I took when I was mayor, um, but definitely still interested in politics for sure. So then the next question is, you're behind the scenes right now. Do you think you'll be back on the scene? Do we think you'll see you run for office again? Yeah, I will. I mean, the one of the blessings of being so young is that I have two or three different lifetimes ahead, hopefully. So I would say I'm not in a hurry to run for office like tomorrow or next year, but who's to say in the next 20, 30 years, I, I won't run. I'm, I guess I'm not sure. And I say that because if you had asked me last year, I would say, well, absolutely. I'm about to be mayor for life. I'm about to be mayor again. They run for something after that. They run for something after that. So I realized that usually when I have an idea about how things work out, God generally has a different <laughs> idea. So I'm mm -hmm. wedded to sort of the type of work I want to do, but not wedded to sort of being in an office or having a certain position to do it. Now, universal basic income, I remember when I first heard about it, I... It was something that I heard there were this crazy thing they were trying to stock and they were just going to give everybody bread. Didn't matter. And I was like, well, damn, that can't possibly work. And then I started to look into it and kind of see what a transformative idea really is. And also I did some of my historical work and saw that this was something that Dr. King was in favor of. Uh, this was something that wasn't quite as novel as what I thought that it was. It's just that no one had ever had the cojones to try it. And it was something that kind of was tied to you very early on. Then it was something that in the presidential elections was were kind of tied to Andrew Yang. Um, simple question is, who is the real Don Dada of universal basic income? <laughs> is um, it you or Andrew Yang? What are your thoughts on Andrew Yang coming around and stealing your UBI swag, dog? What's up with this? Yeah, no, I, I think sort of... I learned it from Dr. King. Thomas Paine was talking about this in 1700. So the idea is so big, it needs more than one champion. And Andrew's a friend of mine. So I, I must say, I was pleasantly surprised at how his presidential campaign sort of got more people thinking about it. Um, but I would also say there's a difference between sort of talking about it and doing it. Because you, you don't pay a price for talking about an idea. You can get famous off that. But when you actually are implementing the idea, you have to deal with all the backlash, deal with all the disinformation, deal with all the hate. And that's why I'm now working with all these mayors to do it as well, because to actually implement is a little bit scarier than talking about it. But he definitely was super helpful and has been an important voice about the need for a basic income. Follow Real quick follow-up. What was the, what's the biggest misconception that people have about universal basic income? And what's the answer that you would give to that misconception? The biggest misconception is that people are going to take the money and not work or, or that somehow like $500 is enough to replace work. When the truth is the vast majority of people who can work do work. Like if people aren't working, it's because they can't afford to work because of childcare costs or transportation costs or some other barrier, or they have a disability or they're stay at home caregivers like that. Like literally this notion that people aren't don't want to work or aren't working just isn't actually true based off data. And that's something that I didn't even know until we were doing it. And I was like, 
people actually work. It's not the fact, the issue that people are being paid enough for the work they do, which is different than people are just at home not working. That's just not true. Michael, I want to take it back. You know, Vance started off this podcast introducing you as someone he's been following, someone he's familiar with. He talked about the documentary on HBO. But for our listeners who aren't as familiar with you, who don't know your story, can you just talk a little bit about, you know, like who you are, where you come from, what, you know, inspired you to want to get involved in politics and helping people out? Um, the community out in UBI. If you could just give us a little yeah. bit of background. And feel free to cut me off because I wrote a whole book. It's long. It's, it's a long answer, right? The deeper the root is the book. <laughs> Go pick it up. <laughs> in, in, in short, um, my name is Michael Tubbs. I was born and raised in Stockton, California. Stockton, California is home. Um, my mom, she had me when she was a teenager. She was a junior in high school when she was pregnant with me. And my father is still incarcerated. He's incarcerated for the vast majority uh, uh, of my life. So growing up sort of Poverty, mass incarceration, racist teachers, bad schools, all that were things I experienced. But my mom, my aunt and grandmother, like a lot of people's moms, aunts and grandmothers just refused to take anything less than excellence or that this, the cycle was going to stop with them. Um, so through their love and guidance, I was able to go to college. I went to Stanford for four years, which was just a radically different world from, from Stockton. But there I learned that the things that I learned in Stockton were helpful, like how to hustle, how to have finesse, how to be respond to adversity, how to like just not be afraid of working hard, not complaining all the time, not being like not crying over a paper, right? And then after while there, I worked in the White House under President Obama. And my job was working with mayors and councils, which is funny because at that time I had no intention of ever going back to Stockton, except for like holidays. But to live, <laughs> live there, absolutely not. And then my cousin was murdered at a Halloween house party in 2010. And it was kind of that pain, that anger, that grief that made me think about, well, all this good stuff just can't be for me. And, and how is Stockton better off because I went to Stanford? And the truth is, it wasn't. Like, I wasn't doing anything to help anyone but me um, and, and in my immediate family. So longer story short, that's when I decided to run for city council. So my senior year in college, I was commuting back and forth. Stanford's about an hour and a half away. Ran for city council, won my council seat. Won the primary two weeks before graduation, so went back to school, finished all my papers and stuff, um, then ran again in the general election, won. So at 22 years old, I was a council member representing 50,000 people. I did that for four years. They ran for mayor of Stockton. And then the same day Donald Trump was elected, I was elected um, and, and, and spent four years <laughs> as, mayor, as mayor of Stockton, which is a very interesting time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I wouldn't take the trade off, Michael. I just let you know. Like, you know, I'm glad you got elected, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a good trade off right there. No, <laughs> no, I mean, Trump I was Trump for Tubbs. Like, I was shook. I mean, you, that election night, we were looking. Can you believe? It? Let's not relive it. Remember, was it just a kick in the gut? Do you have, like, like, does anyone? We could do a whole podcast about. I remember where we were. Mine, what we... a friend of mine went to a Hillary event. And he was like, I'm not going to lie, bro. It's not looking good in here. I'm like, what? He was like, they packing it up. We going to lose. I'm like, yo, man, no fucking way. No possible way. It's crazy. But I just wish that I would have had, like, I've been following your race because I've been like, look, at least we got Michael Tubbs, everyone. Well, look, so we pull up, right? Uh -huh. And I'm looking and we're killing it. I got like 70% of the vote. And then one of my friends who was running, he was sad because he was like, I was sad too, but he was real sad because he was like, Hillary like was his number one political item. 
So he starts getting all somber. I said, listen, bro, tonight we are going to enjoy the fact that Stockton got it right. Like the nation's jacked up. We'll do it. Tomorrow we cry. But tonight <laughs> we like a 26 year old black dude just won a marriage race in Stockton, California. We probably enjoy it. So as soon as I got in, I said, look, I know the nation's not looking pretty, but tonight for at least two hours, we're going to enjoy this moment um, because I had no idea how bad the four years would be with him as president. I knew they'd be terrible, but I had no idea just how hard it would be to govern because he was the president. And it was just, right. it was it's a real shock. To still so, recovering. So one thing that I loved about the documentary Stockton on my mind, which is on, which is on HBO. The book is, uh, the book is what's it called again? It's deeper, the deeper the root. The deeper the root. The deeper the root is the book. The deeper the root is 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 uh, the book. But one thing I loved about watching you and all the people that were working in Stockton is just how in touch you guys seem to be. There was a very obviously it's a community that you're familiar with. You knew it very well. You know the problems of the community. You know the specific um, adversities of the community. But from all the way down to students at school to organizers in the middle, to the mayor at the top, you just seem completely in touch and in lockstep with the movement that you were trying to create in Stockton. I would personally say, as a liberal, but as somebody who doesn't identify with any any, diff, any particular political party, that that's particularly what the Democrats now are lacking. They don't seem in touch they don't seem in any way tethered or connected to the people in the communities that I come from or the people in the communities that I live in now. And Michael, it's becoming a problem in, in a way because you, you have people, you have the, you have the house, you have the Senate. Obviously there's some political minutia that goes into where you just can't bully everything that you want through, but black people specifically that voted for the Democrats are looking for a return on their investment yeah. And at least right now, it doesn't seem to be happening to the degree that a lot of them like. What would you say to a disillusioned black voter that wants more out of the administration and out of the people in Congress and in the Senate? Yeah, I would say I, I feel you. Um, I think it's unacceptable that there hasn't even been a attempt uh, or a serious attempt at the George Floyd Policing Act. The fact that we took to the streets during during COVID. And we haven't seen any meaningful federal police reform is, is a problem for me or, 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 or voting rights. So I would say that is an issue to work on. But working on those issues, we're better. It's, it's a question of where are we better prepared to have leverage? Are we more likely to get those things done with Democrats in power or with Republicans in power? And, and we know that answer. So the answer is with Democrats in power. So then the second question is, with Democrats in power, how do we push leverage and, and get them to move because it makes no sense to have allies or like what's the point of having a friend if your friend ain't gonna help you right so i think part of it's thinking about okay how do you move our friends and then i think on the democrat side the democrats have to do a better job of messaging even if they're doing things for everybody what it means for black people like the child tax credit or the earned income tax credit big things in this build back better what does that mean for black people? The infrastructure bill, trillions of dollars that's going to create jobs, good paying union jobs. What does that mean for black people or the investments they've, they're making in sort of government procurement, um, the things they're doing with even with housing and, and HUD and looking at sort of appraisal discriminations and looking at all these things like the administration has been doing a lot of not sexy, but important things 
specifically for black people, but I don't think they've been messaging them effectively. So folks don't know. So it's like, I see you doing this. I see you doing this. I don't see anything for me. And the issues I really care about from the inflation, like the price of gas to like the, to like policing, to like their right to vote. I don't see action on those. So I think it's a mixture of a better messaging on what's happening. And then B also being very wide eyed and bushy tell that power concedes nothing without a demand. I mean, it's not enough just to vote. It's vote and. So like, I think people get upset because they vote. They're like, well, we voted. It's like voting is necessary, but the next step is now you have to push and leverage and, and prod. And again, you're not going to push Republicans. There's nothing that you can do that's going to Republican do anything for you. Their existence is predicated on Black people not voting and Black people not having power. So there's nothing there. And on Democrats, there's, there's a history of sort of responding when really pushed. If you look at it, and I'll shut up after this, but if you look at the civil rights movement, like all that civil rights legislation could only happen with Democrats in power, but it, it didn't happen just because Democrats were in power. There was like mass movement. Like folks were in the streets. Like Dr. King was like pissing off the Kennedys. The Kennedys calling him, like, I need you to stay home. I need you to, and he was like, no, no, I need you to do this legislation. So I think part of it is also understanding that even when our friends are in power, we have to push them and advocate and, and, and still be out. We should still just be upset about policing this year as we were last year, for example. Uh, so how do we push? Because mm-hmm. I think we're great at, you know, we saw what we did in, in the, the election for 2020. And we saw that we were able to get people to the polls in, in ways that we never have before. But you're right. It does stop there. And we are kind of like, okay, well, we got that, that person in this party in office. We're good. So how do we push each other to take that next step? And I think maybe you talk about the messaging that comes from, you know, the Democratic Party. But at the same time, how do we get the message out to take the next step even further? Because I don't even think that I do a great job at that either. Yeah, no, I I think it's. Shut up, man. I I think it starts with how we talk about voting, because I remember doing some campaigning specifically to black men. In, at, in Georgia and North Carolina during this last campaign, it was like tough conversations. They're like, bruh, we've been voting. Like, bruh, like we, we vote. Like, but what are we getting for that vote? And I think we have to change how we talk about the vote and that the vote in and of itself isn't going to save you. The vote is necessary, but not sufficient. You have to vote because I get you in the door. But once you're in the door, then the question is like, what do we do? And I think part of it is remaining engaged and understanding that sort of once someone's in power, they respond to either donations or noise. So if you can't donate three, five, ten dollars a month to get on these like donor lists, then you have to connect with, and it's not you by yourself. You have to connect with people making noise. So there's all types of like the NAACP, for example, an imperfect organization, but if nothing else, they're an organization that's talking politics every single day. They're an organization that when the president's gonna do something for black people, he's gonna call and bring them to the meeting. So I think it's also aligning yourself because you in and of yourself have power. But power is really compounded when you're part of an institution. So whereas the NACP or another institution that you align with, and then you have to push them because sometimes they're a little bit behind the times too, but you have to be aligned with an institution that then has a through line to communication with the powers that be, but also can let you know what's happening and how you can be activated. Because there's so many, like, for example, right now in the in the Senate, they're debating a historic bill that would lower childcare costs that would provide universal preschool, that would give every parent with a child a $300 check, that would give every low-income worker some sort of check, that will make sure that the, the, the climate change provisions are taken, like a very important bill. 
And no one, like, I don't think a lot of people know about it. So I think part of it's also sort of taking it upon ourselves to be educated and then aligning ourselves with groups and movements that, that are pushing and that are always in these conversations. Um, so I'm going to do something real quick. I'm going to make Michael Tubbs, future president of the United States of America, <laughs> I'm going to make Michael Tubbs in charge of the messaging for the Democrats just for the next X amount of time for this answer. Tell us, as the people, think about me. I'm Van Lathan from South Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All right, we went out, we voted. We got with Stacey Abrams. We went nuts. You know, we went nuts in Georgia. We went nuts in Michigan. We went nuts in in in, in Wisconsin. We went nuts. And now we look around. We're like, God damn, the gas is high, and we ain't got no goddamn George Floyd bill. You're in charge of the messaging. What has been done for black people since Joe Biden has been in office? Yeah, um, well, first we know that COVID disproportionately impacted the black community. And since this administration is in office, we've seen a real vaccine rollout to make sure that shots are in arms in a way that are equitable, in a way that people are safe and people are being heard. We also know that this infrastructure bill, we know that particularly places in the South have terrible infrastructure, whether it's the levee system, whether it's the freeway, where the down piles people drive over. And for the first time in a generation, we have a bill that's going to address that. So on your block, in your city, in your town, there's going to be real bridges, real highways, real roads to drive off. And there's also going to be jobs created. We also know that there's an issue with... Um, with the economy in, in this country. And we see that with inflation, that's because of the Trump tariffs and not because of the work we've been doing. But we also know that parenting is hard, so we have a child tax credit. So for every single American with a child, here's a little bit of cash to pay for that gas, to pay for that milk. And we also understand that we, we have to think about the future. And that's why we are providing universal preschool for your three and four-year-olds so that they're able to have more opportunities, so that they're able to, to advance more. And then we've also been cracking down on sort of racism in all our industries. So whether it's our housing industry, whether it's our government procurement, we're finding ways to increase access for black entrepreneurs. And we also know that we need a planet to live in. And that's why we're very serious about sort of climate change and very serious about making sure that places that are disproportionately black aren't disproportionately impacted by the climate. And, and, and then lastly, we, you don't, we're not raising your taxes to pay for it. We know that under Trump, the rich got richer. So we're raising taxes on corporations to pay zero taxes to help pay for all these investments for our future. Why don't you just go run for the thing? I don't fucking get it. Like, it, it, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's like, Mike, I, I love He's you. He's your campaign manager. <laughs> no, you no, get that. That, that's my thing. My, I would, I would, my, I got Michael Tubbs' campaign slogan. Oh no. This is what it is. Just vote for this nigga. <laughs> That's the campaign slogan. Like, oh like God. seriously. Y'all done voted like that. The campaign slogan is, hey man, just vote for this nigga. <laughs> Michael Tubbs. I Tuss, actually think you'd pull from the other side nigga. just so they could be able to say nigga. Just so they could say it. <laughs> it would be all over Fox News. Him. It would be all over Fox News tonight on Hannity. Michael Tubbs, just vote for this nigga. Yeah, I can say it, right? I can say it. They say it. And they say it in all the songs. That's it. You, fa- you found how to bring us together. <laughs> how to bridge the gap. But, no, but I think to your point, we do such a terrible job of messaging because we're doing like, Everything's not perfect, but I, I keep telling folks, folks don't expect perfection. Folks actually expect government to do nothing. So when you do something, they're shocked. But you have to message it and message it again and message it in the way people hear and understand where it's like, okay, that makes sense. Okay, I got that. That makes that like that. Do you do you fear when you look at what's happening in Congress? And you know, you you said it earlier, 
that we're not going to convince the Republicans. You know, like we're not going to pull them over to necessarily to our side to get the things that we want accomplished. But then you look at the Democratic Party and we've got like you got the Republicans, you got the Republicans and you got the Trumpers. Then with the Democrats, you got the progressives and you got the moderates. And you see just recently with the infrastructure bill, the, the progressives had to compromise in order to go ahead and agree to make that part of the bill pass. But then when it comes to the, I'm going to call it the BBB because for the life of me, I cannot get it right. Build back better, better build back. I don't, I, BBL. I, I, I'm, uh, the, B- the BBL. No, sorry. Call it the BBL. <laughs> That's what they should have done. Listen, I'm serious. Let me tell you something. And let me tell you how the Democrats miss out. It's like build back better, right? They should have <laughs> said they could have called it build back longer, right? And they could have said BBL. It could have been the BBL ne- I would never bill. forget it. And everybody, I'm telling you, we would have been getting them from the Dominican Republic just to vote for the bill. If it was the BBL bill, we'd have got everyone. Everyone, tell me one letter, change the whole thing, but go ahead. Fine, the BBL, BBL, no, 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 no worries. But I guess my, my question is when you see that you talk about messaging, you know, we got to come together. I'm forgetting everything that I was going to say, but do you get fearful when you look at the party and how it's split and how do we come together yeah. to get what we want to accomplish? It's not even just fighting against yeah. the Republicans. We're fighting against each other. Yeah. I mean, I think sort of for a lot of people, and I get this, we spent all that money and energy to get the Senate in Georgia to have everything we want done ran by this old white man in West Virginia. But like that, like that bothers me. Like I'm getting, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting angry just thinking about it because he has. We didn't. All these black folks didn't go wait in line for three hours to have Joe Manchin be president. Like to have Joe Manchin decide if we need paid family leave or not. So one of the things the Democrats need to do is abolish the filibuster. We like there's there's no way we're because we need voting rights. Like like we don't pass voting rights if the Republicans take the House in 2022. We'll be under like minority rule for a decade because they're like trying to cancel elections and sh- like they're not playing they're, they're playing a different evil yeah. game and I and that's been my biggest frustration this year honestly it's like damn I told all these people to go vote I'm out here making calls in Georgia I'm out here raising money for um the senators and happy we won because we did get something for it but I think everyone's confused like okay so why did I talk to this white dude from West Virginia like, I think everyone's like gets yeah. annoyed when he's on TV talking about. Well, we want to make sure we don't give people too much. Like, yeah. yeah. So, like you. Yeah. And what's crazy is that West Virginia is the state that would benefit the most from all the stuff we're talking about because there's so much poverty, so little opportunity. So again, but the Democrats have to. We, as a Democrat, we have to play the game like the Republicans play it in terms of this is about power. This is about who makes the rules. And right now we can't make the rules because it's damn filibuster, which isn't in the constitution. It's a man, it's a it's a made up yeah. rule. Right. We need to abolish it and move forward with voting rights and move forward all these things. We don't have to spend like imagine how much time the president and vice president spent with the senator from West Virginia mm. just to pass just to pass a bill for roads and infrastructure. <laughs> it's not what people signed up for. So we have to change that for sure. So I want to get to the book after this question, but specifically to the filibuster. Do you feel like any hedging on abolishing the filibuster has to do with the fact that elections these days are so tricky and what could potentially happen if you have a Republican majority in the Senate and they don't have and the Democrats can't filibuster, then 
Yeah. We're 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 in the fucking stone age, right? So what what do you what, how how do you get past that? Well, if the well, I, I think we we won't have a Republican majority if the Democrats delivered, and the only way they could deliver okay. is with the filibuster. But I also think you think the Republicans are going to get in power and not abolish the filibuster? Like, like they don't like. Well, they did. They, they did. They didn't under Trump. Yeah, and but you saw what they um. I remember with the whole Supreme Court thing when they're like, "Oh, yeah. Obama can appoint nobody because we're about to get." Yeah, they, they got Merrick Garland. Yeah, yeah. And then they ran through. Boom! They like. So my biggest fear is we'll play by a set of like rules based on the decorum that used to exist. But like this Republican Party is more like the Nationalist Party of South Africa than like a functioning Woo! political party. They're like far right authoritarian. They like we're helping plan a coup of the Capitol. Like, yeah. like this yeah. is not like a yeah. regular political party. I think right. we have to think of them as like this ext- extreme party that seeks to take us back to again, whatever that means. And if they, I started to think, what happens if they get into power? Well, hell, we see what happens when they get into power. Look at Texas. Like, no more yeah. women's right to choose. Look at Mississippi. Like, no one could. Like, we we we. We know what happens when they get in power. So I think for me, I think the filibuster is an offensive move to make sure we could deliver and get some wins for people so they don't think like, well, it doesn't matter who I'm not going to vote or it doesn't matter. Let's try some Republicans. And then we get our worst nightmares come true. And and I hope to, I hope to the death I'm wrong. I hope that none, but I have reason to believe I might be a little bit right. So I'm like, we should probably try to get some wins on this board before 2022. Okay, before, I have one more question before we get into the book. I know we're going to get a book, but it just made me think of something. We've talked about it on this podcast. Van says the dynasties last about two, what, two, three hundred years? Is this the, it for us? Is this it for the United States? Are we, because we, we've hit that mark. I mean, the answer is yes, but go ahead, Mike. No, let, let, let Mike, let, he might be a little bit more positive than you. Is this well, it? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> in one of Dr. King's last speeches, he talked about he was reading the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, and he said the Roman Empire imploded from within because of greed, corruption, and a lack of ability to come together. So I think sort of we're on that trajectory if we don't make some changes, if we, if we don't think about sort of how do you make sure the country works for everyone. I mean, like, just for instance, there's no way any country can last where during a pandemic, where a lot of people lost everything. Some people went from being billionaires to centi-billionaires. Like that's that's actually evil. And that's actually crazy. Like how someone go from 50 billion to 350 billion and some people like have nothing during a pandemic where everyone was supposed to be hurt. So I think the indicator and then the climate change and then like the far right extremism, you got boys with AK-47 shooting people in broad daylight at protests and have said they're not guilty. Like, I, like so if we don't change, there's no way it's sustainable, but I, I think that there's a there's enough people like us <laughs> and enough people who are like, look, it ain't perfect, but it has to be better that that, that will make it change. But if we do nothing, if we continue down this road, there, there's no way. I mean, because again, the, the next generation of kids are mostly children of color. And if you look at sort of the outcomes we have for children of color, they put us like below most of the developed countries in this world. Like we, we just won't be competitive. Um, so my hope is that, that that sense of like American exceptionalism will get some of our 
other folks to the table to think about how to be safe. Like this idea is worth saving, but if we don't change, if it keeps just getting worse and worse, then it's going, it's, it's going to have to implode because there's just no way that's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. So the deeper the root, the deeper the roots, the deeper the roots. Oh, so Quest Love, <laughs> shout out to everybody. Um, <laughs> tell us about the book. Tell us why you were called to write it. Tell us why people need to read it. Um, it's a, I understand it's a memoir, and you've had quite an extraordinary life. So talk a little bit about the book itself. Yeah, well, well, well the book is about, so growing up, I loved reading books, particularly about the transition from adolescence to adulthood. Like reading Black Boy by Richard Wright in high school was like, oh, this is dope. Or reading um, Man, Child in the Promised Land or Makes Me Want to Holler. So The Deeper the Roots is really about sort of, not just me, but it's about like, first it starts with my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother who raised me. I think it talks about sort of, Black single parenthood, but not from a pathologizing perspective, but with great like pride, assets, and love. About I just about the difficulties, but also saying like, wow, these are the type of people you want leading your communities. Look what they created. Look what they did. And it also talks about places like Stockton. I mean, you talked about being from South Baton Rouge. I think many of us are from places that people who aren't from there have ideas of or look down on. So it's about like how do we talk about this place in a way that that, that respects its dignity. And it also it's just about sort of my own journey, but talking about it in a way that's not look what I did, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but it's like look at all this stuff one person had to go through, like why would we want anyone to like, how much are we losing out on because of so many people have incarcerated parents because so many people live in poverty, because so many schools are underfunded, because so many teachers are, are racist, etc. And then it's about like some of the poly- it's also about leading, right? It's about what's it like to be a 22-year-old black man in charge of the police department when Michael Brown happens? Like, how do you have a meeting with the police department? How do you meet with the community? How do you, as mayor, how do you meet with people who are suspected killers who are on your list because they either shot somebody or have been shot where your own cousin has been murdered and how you talk to them about second chances and how you need them. And it's about sort of how you lead being the first anything, being the youngest. And I think it's also about sort of what's the path forward, like to your point about this country, like how do we, how do you make sure this country works for everyone? Um, so it's about all those things. It's about, yeah, it's, it's just a, a really, it's, I think a lot of people are turned off. They're like, it's a political memoir, but as you can tell by our conversation here, I'm not like, <laughs> I don't talk like a politician. So it's just, it's just really real and very honest. And it's also about failures. It's about like, what was it like being a 24 year old council person arrested for a DUI? And how do you respond to that? Like, what's it like? to do all this great stuff and lose re-election and how you respond to that. So I think it's just super honest as well. And it's like, well, here's my story. It's not the story, but I hope it's a story people can learn from. And I hope people get the courage to share theirs and own theirs and realize that their experiences are important too. Mm. Michael, right? Michael, tell everybody where they can get the book, where they can follow what you're doing, how they can get involved, and and what's next. Anything else you want to tell us about? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Michael D. Tubbs, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-D-T-U-B-B-S. If you're interested in California stuff in particular, we're starting an initiative called In Poverty in California, inpovertyinca.org. And then you can get the book wherever books are sold. If you shop online, you can do Amazon, even though I, I be hating on Jeff Bezos' net worth all the time. Um, but you can also get it at independent bookstores. You can also get it at your, um, it's anywhere books are sold, wherever you buy your books or audio books. I did the audio as well. I'm um, it there and looking forward to hearing what you guys think. Yeah. Uh, can't wait. 
guess what? No pressure, but you, Randall Woodfin, and <laughs> Stacey Abrams are basically the only hope for the party. Uh, so you, let me tell you what's going to happen with Michael. Michael is going to go, I think, Congress, Senate, President. Okay, we need everybody. Uh, you should give a cash app to Mike so you, they can uh, like uh, <laughs> donate money just in case. We need a just in case slush fund for Michael Tubbs. Let's see, there's, you know, just two hundred million. So he decides he wants to run, or he decides he wants to take the family to Turks. Either way, stop. Like, like, stop. Like, either way, we know how it goes. We know how it goes, bruh. Uh, I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Can't wait to see what's next for you. Thank you for joining us today on Higher yes, Learning, Michael Yes, thank Tubbs. you so much. Thank y'all for having me. It was like therapy with my cousins, though, right? It was like, like therapy <laughs> with family, so thank y'all. You're the welcome to come the back roots. for a family reunion anytime. I'm yes. open. I have a lot more time now, so please let me know. Sure, no for problem. Sure. The book is The Deeper the Roots. Go out and get it. Michael Tubbs, thank you for joining Higher Learning. All right, he was great. He was great. Uh, yeah, fantastic. I'm a big Michael Tubbs fan. Huge. I am, too. Love Michael Tubbs. Michael Tubbs. That's a good presidential name, Michael Tubbs. I used to know a Marcus Tubbs. What did he do? Played football at Texas. Played football. Was he like a big dude? Yeah, big dude. On the tubbs. line. On the line. On tubbs. the tubs. That's tubs. a that's a tubs. That's tubs. a good name for a lineman. <laughs> tubs. You know what I mean? Was so a politician, <laughs> a lineman. Uh, a politician, a, a lineman. Name. It's just a strong Solid name. name. Tubs. Yeah. There was a there was a there was a uh, boxer that was tubs. Tubs. Big tubs. Did um, they call him Big Tubs? <laughs> no. Wasn't, his name wasn't Big Tubs. What was the name of the tub? What was the name of the Tubs guy that you're talking about? Marcus Tubs. Marcus Went to Tubbs. Texas, played in Seattle, um, then did like did football play? operations. Um, maybe like four years or something. Then did football operations at Texas under under Mac Brown. I'm not oh, sure. Oh yeah, this nigga that. looked like a tub. <laughs> he lost hella weight. He, he's like he uh he um wait a minute. Wait. This guy wasn't hold on. Did I make all this up? Nah, he did. He was he. <laughs> He was a tight end in, in high school, though. He was not, a beast at tight end. He was not a tight end at Texas. No, he was not. No, no. I know I'm saying, though. Oh. No, I know he wasn't. But okay. I'm saying, what I'm saying, though, it's very impressive. Do you see where he's from? That, DeSoto. Uh, he is from DeSoto. DeSoto. I used to live there. 6'3", 320, tubs. <laughs> <clears throat> he was a starter for the basketball team for three years in a row. Tubbs was getting it. Yeah, 37 games. He, he he transferred from defensive line to tight end. He is really he's a, he's a Tubbs is great. Tubbs is a good athlete. All right. Shout out to Michael Tubbs. Or Marcus. shout out to Marcus Tubbs. To the whole shout Tubbs to family. Tubbs. To every to all the Tubbses. <laughs> Tubbs. All the Tubbses out there. If you listen to this and your last name is Tubbs, shout out to you with your big ass. Um uh okay, Vance very serious question of the week. We talked about boy bands earlier. I've been listening to a lot of boys to men lately. Okay. And my question to you is very simple. This is something that goes back and forth in my mind, back and forth in my heart, back and forth, back and forth with people on Twitter, although Twitter has seemingly made up their mind about this. Okay. Vance very serious serious question is very easy for you, Rachel. All right. Boys to men or Jodeci? Whoa. It's two different types. It's like the good guys. Versus, like, I guess the they were billed as the bad guys of R and B. Wait, 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 wait! They were billed. Nah, they were bad. They were the bad guys. All they were, I don't think I don't, anyone from Jodeci 
Wait a minute. I don't think anyone from Jodeci, I don't think anyone from Jodeci is going to have a problem with being called the bad boys of R&B. They were definitely the bad boys of R&B. Oh, it just depends. I mean, I'm going to go with Jodeci. You're going to go with Jodeci? I'm going to go with Jodeci. You're going with Jodeci. I didn't have a crush on any of the men in Boys to Men. See, that has nothing. See, that's what I'm talking about? See, this is my thing. That was the overriding factor for me. That takes away from the actual art. People say this all the time. This is the thing. I'm just talking about the music, man. The music. The music. I can't. I can't separate it because the, the music, it's two different types of music, right? It really, really is. They're both R&B, but it's a different type of R&B. Like, even when Boys to Men is singing about I'll Make Love to You, it doesn't sound the same as, you know, a Jodeci. Um, oh, my gosh. Freak me, freak me. It does. It's not the same. It's not the same, right? They're both talking about sex. It's not the same. I'm going with Jodeci. You're going with Jodeci. I'm going with Devonte. You're going with you're going with <laughs> Devonte. All right. Let me ask you this. Because I'm going with Boys to Men now. I've been listening to so much Boys to Men that at first it was it was Jodeci for me because Jodeci got. Jodeci got that swang, man. They they oh, wow. they really do. But I've been listening to so much Boys to Men. I'm I'm in a Boys to Men phase right now, so I'm gonna go with Boys to Men. Who sings better? Boys to Men. Jodeci or Boys to Men? Boys to Men. Boys to Men sings better, right? Yep. Who has better songs? Who has more? Jodeci. Okay, put you this. Jodeci has better songs than Boys to Men. I gotta look at this. Well, no, no, no. I'm Come asking your opinion. I'm not to trying me. to sway you. In the... No, no, no. No, I think no, no. no. Think... Let's, let's look it up. I think, it's, it up. I think I'm going to go with Jodeci. Jodeci got uh, Fiendin. Do, I get, to, do talk... I get to Do I get to include um, Freaking You? I said Freak Me. Freaking You is what I was thinking about. Yeah, Freaking You. You got They got Freaking You. They got Fiendin. Fiendin. Cry For love You. Love You For Life. Uh, cry For forever You. Forever My Lady. Forever My Lady. They got these, they got them joints now. Oh, shit, they got them joints. Get on man. up. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> come on. Uh, you can get on. Gotta get on up. Yeah, okay. I, I got you. Said again, Joe to see. Yes. Come okay, on. so, so. Lately? Now, lately, that's a cover. I don't count that one. Yes, cool. we count it. Um, uh, so the singles, the Jodeci singles. Forever My Lady, Stay, Come and Talk to Me, Cry for You, Fiending, What About Us, Freaking You, Love You for Life, Get On Up. They got a, they got a lot of fucking joints. Those are joints. Now let's go to Boys to Men because I want to settle this. Let's go to Boys to Men let's real quick. Boys to Men. Boys to Men because we're not going to talk about who was more successful because, you know, that's a wash. Boys to Men was more poppy. Uh, Boys to Men got these timeless classics that <sighs> I feel like people be hating on, man. People be hating on boys to men. I'll make love to you. End of the road. One, I'll make love to one you. sweet in day all, doesn't count. On the one sweet on, day doesn't count. On, on bended knee. Okay. Water runs dry. Oh, that's water, see. They're like pretty water. songs. They're pretty songs. Beautiful. They're not songs. grimy. Yeah, they're Gorgeous. pretty. A song for mama. Talk about your mama. It's it's neck and neck. Now what? It's, I, it's tough. If I was going to say, I, I, I got a cover men, for you. I got a cover for you. What? What about Boys to Men cover of Can You Stand the Rain? Amazing. Yeah, I still like the original better. But it is amazing. Um, <laughs> Motown Philly. And Motown Philly? Maybe if what puts Boys to Men a little bit over is they got a Christmas song. That's timeless. What's their Christmas song? Let it What's snow. Christmas song? I don't like that type of shit. I'm sorry. 
what's the problem with let it snow no, i could i, I could I listen I if that. i can listen to your christmas song at any time of the year it's a hit i don't i don't get into that shit it's like five christmas songs that i like okay let us know I mean, should be one of them brian mcknight's uh, on it too I, I, but, but I remember remember when they the, were singing I, it on um fresh prince i can't but I, like I, I didn't come from a place where there was snow you know what I mean, so, so like, we just what, we like, just hate all Christmas from Baton Rouge. It's like let it be chilly. Wait, wait. Then what are your five Christmas songs? Um, what do the lonely do at Christmas time? Really? Oh, but you do, a, it's a story behind it. You talked about this. There's a story. You oh, said that's when, a great song. My grandmother yeah, brought that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Threw it in you, our face. You talked about that. You talked about the story <laughs> behind that one. Um, uh, my grandmother brought that up. Threw it in our face. Uh, this Christmas, obviously, this Christmas is one. Um, I gotta go with Silent Night by The Temptations. Um, I, don't, I don't like that type of shit. But yes, that's good. That's a good song. Then pick your song. I don't like song Silent Night. I don't like Silent Night. By The Temptations. Then pick your. Then pick. Then pick your favorite because you just don't uh, like anything. Mariah Carey. Oh, I'm shocked you like it. Why? It's about Christmas and not about the weather. I don't like Christmas songs that's about the weather. You know what I mean? Because I, I never experienced that weather. So it would Silent be like, Night what? is not about the weather, and you're hating on it. It's, that's true. That's very true. That, that I, I will give you that. Silent Night. It's, Silent Night just kind of. I don't know. It gets to me. It's. I don't know why it feels white. Because it is. That's why I said the Temptations version. <laughs> <laughs> but all I want for Christmas is you. That's that. That's that shit, man. Silence. That's a great Christmas song. That's what Christmas means to me. Is one of my favorites too. Who does that? Stevie Wonder did it. CeeLo did it. That's what CeeLo did it, huh? Interesting. Um, all right. So what are we so so what are we doing here? We're doing Jodeci versus Boys to Men. I am going with Boys to Men at this particular point in my life. Going it's always Jodeci. been Jodeci for me. But it's always now, nah, okay. Before we go. Before we go. What if I throw in say a Drew Hill? So rank them. What if I throw in? Oh, don't do Drew Hill. Drew Hill has those what if, hits. What if I throw in, say, a Drew Hill? Ooh. Okay, if I if I was to give you, if you was to go a one, two, three, Jodeci, Drew, Jodeci, Boys to Man, Drew Hill, Boys to Man, Jodeci, Drew Hill. What if I throw in? What if I throw in a Drew Hill? Do you think? Oh, am I so oh, so let me ask you this. So this is what we'll do. This is what we'll do. This is what we'll do. Because with the Jodeci Boys to Men thing is one. Forget about Jodeci Boys to Men. What about Drew Hill, boys to me? Drew, I'm Who's going with Drew better? Hill. I'm going with Drew Hill. Easy. You're going with Drew Hill Easy. over boys to me. Easy. Drew Hill I'm is going, better than boys to me. I'm going with Drew, Drew Hill. I'm going with Drew Hill. First of all, I'm not hating on Drew Hill, man. Shout out Baltimore. You. I'm like, I'm not hating on, I'm not hating on it at all. But you you just don't like boys to me. No, that's not it. It's just that Drew Hill album, Drew Hill. Yeah. <laughs> you could press play. And just go. And I'm going to tell you what takes it over the top to me. It's five steps. Five, oh, five steps, steps gets me every yeah. time. There, yeah. I don't know if there are any boys to men songs that make me cry. Not even um, a song from Mama. So Five steps gets me every time. This is the new Vans Very Serious Question of the Week. It's five. Bo- and forget about boys to men versus Jodeci because it feels like most of the community has made their decision and they like Jodeci. Boys to men versus Drew Hill. Drew Rachel, Hill. you say Drew Hill. It's Drew Hill. I, I I don't see how you could say that. I understand Hill. that Drew Hill got the joints. Because people so forget. Me wrong. People right. forget when you go. This is your homework tonight. 
Yes. I want you to I'll listen to it. Drew Hill, the Drew Hill album. I just want you to press play and Heard let the music take you somewhere. But you've forgotten. Yeah. You've forgotten. Maybe I have. That's fair. That's fair. Just let it take. I'm going to listen to it. Because you just brought but it after, back to me. But after I listen to the Drew Hill album, I'm going to listen oh to my, my shit. Love Y'all Train. niggas going to make me unleash the dragon. I know you don't really want to unleash the dragon. If you hear me say, yeah. Women, if you hear me say, y'all niggas going to make me unleash the dragon. Whoa. That's what? not one, the one Can I, I ask you a question? That's not I, the one I I know. Counted. But that's Cisco. Can I just say something real quick? Why was Cisco threatening us? What was he gonna do to us, Cisco? We weren't afraid. Like why? Like why was Cisco? Y'all niggas gonna make me unleash the dragon? What? Like we looking around? Like what? Is Cisco threatening us? Like why is Cisco? Did you feel why the threats? I'm just. We were very excited for the album to come out, right? And when it came out, I'm like the fuck is Cisco talking about? Like, he, like Cisco's like, y'all niggas gonna make me unleash the dragon. And you can't like threaten somebody and then do a one-handed round off. You know what I mean? It's like he would do this. Like the, you just couldn't. He would spin around and do a one-handed round off. It's like, y'all niggas gonna make me unleash the dragon. What the fuck are you talking about, Cisco? We're not afraid of the dragon that you have. Shout out to Drew Hill. All right. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, that's it for today. Uh, <laughs> so you think you can't solve, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lacey. <laughs> happy Bye. Thanksgiving. Oh, should we say something about that? Oh, yeah. We're not going to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back next week. No show uh, at the end of the week. We gave you a little bit more. Enjoy your turkey, your stuffing, your families. And just remember that at one time, there were 25 to 30 million indigenous people living on the contiguous United States. Just remember that a thriving, amazing, uh, it still continues to be a thriving and amazing culture, but just remember what happened, what actually happened and the blood that was spilled. Enjoy your families, but take a little time for remembrance too. always. <laughs> 